I'm Pastor JP. Welcome. We are so glad you are checking us out online. We hope the word you're about to hear is an encouraging point in your life today. So we're praying for you. We love you. Stay tuned. We've been talking about fighting FOMO, fighting this fear of missing out. And this the advent of social media has just compounded a reality that we have long known as humankind. We, that, that this temptation that we're always missing out on something, the grass is greener someplace else, even if it means we have to be disobedient to God. That we, we are constantly comparing our situation, our lives to one another. In doing so, we know that comparison is the thief of joy. So you have to fight FOMO. And we've been doing it ever since the garden. Remember we, that first message, you can check it out online. We talked about don't eat the fruit. And last week, we talked about don't, don't play the fool. Now, I want, to, I want to move into this message today. If you have your Bibles, if you want to go ahead and hold your place in Galatians chapter 1. I, I want to say this to set us up and give us some context for today's message. That the greatest prison that some people live in is the fear of what other people think. It's the fear of what other people think to the point that it, is, it, is, it has caused within themselves a disease to please. And, of course, this will, only, this will only leave you feeling empty and devoid of any lasting joy. It is human nature to want to be liked. That's human nature. We want to be liked. And some of us even want to be loved. We crave acceptance, don't we? Everybody wants to be in. Everybody has picked a circle and we want to be in it. We want to be accepted. But no one readily admits to being a people pleaser. No one really jumps up and down and says, I'm an overt people pleaser. Every now and then you might run into one of those. Which is their personality or just exceptionally helpful and friendly and great. I'm a people, I just want to please people. But can I tell you that this is something that we rarely notice about ourselves. And how do you know if you struggle with this? How do you, how do you know it? Because for some people... I think we all, to some degree, struggle with this people-pleasingness. It's, it's more like a scale, more like a scale. There's just, some might struggle with it a little bit, and, and so there's a little bit of uh, a filter there to want to please other, and then there's this long scale. And you could fall somewhere in there to where there's just this great need to please. And it matters a great deal that everyone is pleased with you. 
And so for the people pleasers, the ones that had just tipped the scale a little bit, just enough, just enough to tip over that halfway point, the people pleasers, nothing is off limits, even if it means avoiding confrontation to keep that friend, even if it means avoiding confrontation to, to keep up appearances because we, we aim to please. In other words, there's just nothing that you treasure enough to protect it from others at all costs. That's a dangerous place to be, especially when it comes to your faith, especially when it comes to your relationship with God. And oddly enough, Paul ran into this issue with a bunch of church folks. Someone said, oh, pastor's got a jacket on today. Look out, this is going to be a doozy. I was like, what? is that my tail? Is that my sign? He's got both barrels today. He's going to preach to church folks today. So if you're not church folk, just enjoy this. And Paul's talking to church folks, the local church in Galatia. And it was in a, a state of unrest and imbalance because they didn't have a clear view of what it meant to, to be right with God anymore. And in that confused and divided state, some people said, well, to be right with God, uh, to be saved, in other words, you have to be circumcised. Just be circumcised, circumcised, and that's pretty much it. Another says, oh, no, 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 no. You got to be circumcised and you have to obey the whole law. And others says, no, 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 no. You, 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 need, to, you need to do all of that. You got to do both. And then some people said, no, no, you don't have to do either of those things. You don't have to be circumcised or obey the law. And so the factions formed up and they held their ranks and then there were varying degrees in between. And, and then there's Paul, Pastor Paul, at this, this point, who he's just all about souls, you know? He's just, he just wants everybody to know Jesus and to get along. And he has visited this local church a few times. He has ministered there. He has preached and taught Jesus there. They know him. He was the first preacher they ever had. The first one they ever had. And he preached salvation by faith alone in Jesus is the only way. But Paul then also would teach things and say things like, and I'll become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And then, and then so some people said, see? See? See, he makes allowances for the gospel. Why can't we? And some Galatians didn't went as far to say, Paul's not even a real apostle. He's just a messenger boy from, from that church over there in Jerusalem or, or Antioch. And, and what does he really know about it all anyway? He's just a people pleaser. They called Paul the apostle a people pleaser. If you've read your Bible for five minutes in the New Testament from, from pretty much Acts on, I don't think that's the impression you'd get. 
It's to see he's a people pleaser. He becoming all things to all people so that everyone, everyone will like him. Well, Paul did not like that characterization one bit. And so he shot out a text. He, he, he made a Facebook post. Or the, you know, ancient first century Palestinian equivalent. He wrote a letter. And so he writes to set this little church in Galatia straight. He is firm but he, and, and tender all at the same time. But he's not leaving any room for doubt that for Paul, Jesus was the only one he was trying to please. And so we read a little bit of his response in Galatians chapter 1. We'll read a few, few verses starting with verse 6. <clears throat> he says, I am astonished that you are so Quickly deserting the one who called you to live in grace, Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Eventually, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anyone, anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Now, verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Put your hand there on your Bible or your heart. Lord, we just, again, pause at the reading of your word, believing that it is powerful and strong and living and, and certainly all those things and more, and that it can enter into this moment, into every heart, every listener, every mind, and do a powerful work today. And so, God, we pray you would do just that. Anoint the preached word, but if you cannot use this vessel, we know your Holy Spirit can speak in any way he chooses. So, let us now have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying to his church this day, we ask in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. 912, 912 total. 276 of the 912 were children. They lined them up after convincing them after a series of terrible, horrible events down in Jonestown, down in South America. Convinced them that the only option they had to move forward was to, was to, commit mass suicide. So they handed them a cup. Over 900 
You know how long it would take to serve 900 people? Nine hundred gave them a cup of some fruit punch laced with cyanide and arsenic, a cyanide and valium. And for the little kids, they they use little droppers to feed the babies. Convinced, convinced that this is the only option that they had, and and and. Peer pressure as they all huddled underneath this makeshift pavilion, outdoor pavilion. Peer pressure raged to the, to the point and to its most extreme expression could ever be rendered. And at the Jonestown Massacre, this, these cult members, at the direction of their leader, just shocked the whole world. One by one, lining up, convinced themselves to take the cup and drink. A few ran. A few. A few made it out of the jungle. Just a few, though. Just a few didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Now it's a... a, a a buzzword, a phrase etched into the collective consciousness of our society. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. We hear it all the time. Now, as we, we, come, we come to mean that any group, any, any group or a group of people that's, that's going along with something that's doomed or going along with something that's dangerous, some type of dangerous idea or plan because of some peer pressure, some societal pressure that is this, this, this extreme and most destructive form of people-pleasing. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we should now, now go around and accuse people of drinking the Kool-Aid. That's not what today's message is about. Today's message is about, am I? Today is, today is about self-evaluation. Because you cannot control the cup that, that is in anybody else's hand. You mind the cup in your hand. Now, to some degree, there's some red flags because you're, you're probably thinking, well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm a people pleaser? Because... The reality, reality is, is that we'll never get that bad, that ugly with our people pleasing. But internally, it can be that destructive. If you just let it run wild in your life. And so you got to do a little gut check and say, well, how do you know? How do you know? And I'm not saying these things are how do you know for sure. I'm saying these are good questions to ask that should raise flags and you should evaluate. Things like, number one is, is do you crave compliments to the point that you're very liberal with your complimenting and you do so in hopes that you get some? That's, that's a little something you can gut check. 
Maybe, maybe another little thing you can gut check. Hey, am I a people pleaser? Is do you like to be noticed? You get upset when people don't don't notice, don't say hi to you, don't reckon, didn't, no one said anything about my new haircut or, or my new shirt or, or the new dress I got on. Nobody said anything. And then you run wild with those assumptions. See, this is how you know you've crossed over into people-pleasing because you go, no one said anything about this, this change, this new thing. And, and so now I have to assume it was a bad decision. It's not a good haircut. I, that's an ugly dress. Even if you loved it, you won't, probably won't wear it again. No one said anything. That might be your red flag. Maybe another red flag is maybe you have a hard time expressing your own true opinions. You have a hard time expressing them. In a, you're, you're constantly say you like something or go along with something even though you don't really think that or you don't enjoy it. Don't enjoy it. And I'm not talking about husband and wife. I enjoy going shopping at the mall. That's fun. But I'm saying like constantly with everybody. You hate the mall and you're always there. You got a job at the mall because everyone said you should work there. You loved it so much. And you find yourself in this black hole like, how did I end up here? Maybe another red flag is you find it hard to say no. You find it hard to say no because it's not so much you, 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 don't, you don't want to offend, but you're also, you don't want people to think badly of you. I want people to think badly of you, even strangers sometimes. You don't, even, you don't want them to think badly of you. Another red flag, the fifth one is, is maybe you cannot function without the knowing or getting the opinions of others, that other people's opinions matter to you a lot. This goes beyond just seeking wise counsel. I mean, like, you ask anyone and everyone, you're watching YouTube videos of strangers getting opinions of and trying to get in because you 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 can't make up your own mind or do your you give more thought to what everybody else is saying than what you actually believe is right that might be a red flag you're just trying to find what will please the people And the problem comes, the problem comes with what the people are saying. That's where the, that's where the real problem comes. The words of Paul have never rang truer, I think, today than when he said it then. Is some people are throwing you in confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel. When you care more about what people think than what God thinks, you're in trouble. People-pleasing, I have come to realize is, I'm trying to help you here. I, I've come to realize it's less of a relational problem and more of a spiritual problem. It, it's, this thing is, and it often starts because you think, how did I get here? How did I become this? 
whatever degree you find yourself on that scale. Now, don't get me wrong. It's nice to be nice. It's, we need to love on people. It's okay to make people happy. And don't, don't misunderstand me. But I'm just talking about you are living a lie, feeling nothing true about all the things that you do. And then you struggle with your relationship with God. And if, I don't know, the peer pressure, because everybody's dealt with peer pressure, right? Everybody's dealt with peer pressure. But usually you kind of, you grow out of it, or at least you think you do. I remember when I was a kid, a young kid, and we were overplaying at friend's house and, I don't know, we had access to firecrackers and stuff. I'll just leave it at and stuff. One of those and stuff was like one of those M80s. Y'all remember those M80s that you used to be? I don't know if you could still get them, but I know you used to. That thing would go boom. That made a big boom. I don't know why we were running around with M80s, but we were. And my friends that I was playing with, or a couple friends, had a bunch of friends. They were like having some big family, and so they had people from out of state there. It was just tons of us. Must have been 15 kids running around, and most of these kids I didn't know, and you can tell they have never played with fireworks before. So they're just having a blast. But there's more of them than the locals, you know what I mean? There's more outsiders there than there were the local bunch who lived right there where we were at. And so one of those outside kids thought it would be, you know, a good idea to, to take an M80 and then they had, they had caught a big old frog. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. It wasn't pretty. I... I I've, I wrestled in that moment, and I, I wanted to, to stop it. I remember this as a young, I still feel the guilt of not stepping in for that poor frog. I just knew this is wrong. We could blow up a lot of things. We don't need to do it to the frog. But I didn't. And I still to this day cannot look at a frog without feeling some sense of guilt. <laughs> what they did to that poor frog. And I think about why as a young kid I didn't say anything even though I knew it was wrong. I didn't say anything because in that moment I, I cared more about what those, those outside kids thought of me than doing what was right. I just thought more about what they thought than, than what I knew was right. And listen, friends, adults, we could play that same game. We just play at higher stakes and we've gotten a whole lot more sophisticated in our arguments as adults. Well, we might not be down in the Kool-Aid. We've just learned how to sip it just a little bit at a time. We've, we've, we've learned how to have one foot 
in the church and in God's kingdom and in Jesus and in grace and one foot still kind of in the world and mixing it up for appearances and to please people, sipping on that Kool-Aid, but the guilt is eating you up on the inside and you know it because just like that Kool-Aid, it's like poison. But the fix, friend, is simple. The fix is simple. Fear God and not people. Fear God and not people. I could just close my Bible if I thought that was enough. But for some reason, it's just not enough for us, is it? To accept that reality and to try to live it out. Fear God and not people. We don't live that way, though, because I want to be liked. I want to be liked. I like that joke. I, listen, I don't have to be liked, but I'd like to be loved. Everybody, everybody, in some sense, wants to be accepted. But if the only way that you can do that is to disobey God and not do what he wants you to do, to, to try to please somebody else, something's off. Something's wrong. And the fear of God, the, 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 the wisdom scriptures teach us, is the beginning it's the starting point of all wisdom. And so when we start trying to live out then, okay, then how, what does that look like when I try to live a life that is pleasing to God? That the fear of God is the best antidote for the fear of people. Because you're afraid you might miss out. I might miss out on something if I don't stay connected with that person or that person or that group of people. But listen, this, the answer is so simple, it, it'll change your life. But it, it's hard to live out. I mean, how many would be honest even right now and say, you know what, I know this about myself. I know I'm a people pleaser person. I'm a people pleaser. I want to please everybody in my family. I want to please everybody in my extended family. I want to please all my cousins. I want to please everybody at work. I want to please everybody. I want to. Okay, you want to admit it. All right, how many in here, by raising your hands, know someone who's a people pleaser? All right, put your hands down. How many, well, by raising your hands... You don't have to point them out, but how many would be like, and they're in the room? <laughs> Listen, if you say, I know, I, I'm kind of a, okay, maybe we'll give a little bit. I'm just kind of a people pleaser. Then people are too big in your life and God is too small. God is too small. See, that's the problem. That's the prize, not that people aren't important. It's that you've made God too small and you've made them too big. You've made the opinions of people too big. You put too much weight in that. You put too much weight in, in all of the, what people think and, 
and, the, and you've made the opinion of God has become way too small. And, and to the point that we, we trust small people to tell us what God's thoughts are. The scripture tells us in Psalm 39, 4, uh, 34, 9, you holy people of God have respect for the Lord. Those who respect him have everything they need. And I think one of the reasons why we feel like if, if I'm not accepted all the time by everybody, then I, there's gonna, I won't have everything I need. I will miss out on something. But the, the scriptures teach us that if when we reverence God, when he becomes bigger than anything else in our life, when we honor God, we respect God, when we put him first, when we don't need the approval of people because we have the approval of God, then, then he will supply all that we need in this life. When we trust in he that is bigger, is who is bigger than all things, I think he can deliver. But the problem is, is that the way to live in that way, it's not normal, is it? Not in our day and age. Not in our time. This is why it's hard. Because normal is rarely godly. Normal is rarely godly. I mean, can we just admit it? What's normal today is not holy. What's normal today is, is, not, is not reverent, sacred. And we've never, I, we are tempted all the time to compromise our biblical values. And I'm sure if, we took a survey. Everybody would admit, yeah, I've, I've been tested a time or two on, on what I know to be true about God and his word. And when God becomes so big to you, all of a sudden the group of people and what they think kind of loosens itself. It kind of, not so tight. And then when, when those challenges come, and you feel that tension, and you know, mm, I'm feeling the tension, get close to the line, that's when you say to yourself or you say to those people, listen, I wanna live for God. I'm not gonna let your opinion slow me down. I'm running a different kind of race. It might not look like your race. It might, like look, it might not look normal to you. It might not even look normal to most people. If you want me to do something that I know is not of God, from God, going to glorify God, sorry, my God is so big and he and I are so close, I can't let you deter me from doing what God wants me to do in my life. I'm not going to let you keep me from living the way I know is respectful and honoring to my God. Now, that used to be a given, didn't it? But it's not anymore. No, no, now we, now to live and to honor God in such a way, we may offend some people who look at that as that's not normal. Well, okay. 
but if my family is a bit different from your family, can't we all just be okay with that? Don't you preach tolerance? You may call me weird. It doesn't really matter what you think, though. Going to be obedient to God. I'm trying to live by the book. I'm trying to draw close to God. He's got a bigger mission and a bigger plan for my life. Because normal to and in us is going to lead us towards godliness. It's going to lead us towards holiness. God is that big to me. And you're not. Now listen to me. That's a big deal. That'll offend some people. But I'll tell you what. I, and I'm, I found this to be true. When, when you love God first, you love everybody else better. When you're living for his approval first and foremost, and not your own or not others, you come out the other side of whatever you're walking through a whole lot better off. And while you do it, you might not look and sound and talk normal than everybody else going through the same kind of stuff you go through. You will be different because you say, I'm not going to compromise for you. See, when people try to pull you down, hold your values high. Hold your values high. Don't lower your standards because people refuse to rise with you. Now, now hear me here. When people try to pull you down, don't respond in kind. Now, too many church people and so-called Christians are busy doing that. And then they put those faces and jokers out on the news. All right? People try to pull you down. We don't respond by trying to pull them down. We simply respond by lifting up our values, by holding them high. So we don't attack people. We just lift up those values that we're trying to live out. It's not personal. It's not anything against you, okay? These are just my values. Things like Luke 10, when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I can't love myself on the tail end of that, inspect everything else to fall in this place. And I don't know how to love my neighbor if I don't love myself. And I don't know how to love my neighbor and I can't even take care of myself if I first don't love the Lord my God. And then he doesn't leave anything out. He's like, you got to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and abilities, and with all of your mind. These are my values. Now, that's just one scripture. There are plenty to pick from. But when, when you feel challenged, when you feel that tension and you feel like you're being pitted up against what you know and believe to be true and how you should act and think and behave, what you know is godly, but it ain't normal. Then you, then you lean, and people try to pull you down. You lean then into and lift up your values. You don't have to tear them down. Now, listen now. I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else. Be careful what you tolerate because you're teaching people how to treat you. 
unmarried Mr. and ma'am. That's a good one right there. But that's a, that's a general principle. Be careful what you tolerate because you're teaching people how to treat you. And again, you're not teaching them anything by tearing people down. Just lift up your values. Just lift up your values. There's a lot of things we tolerate to be liked by others, isn't there? But if, how many know, if you put up with it, you're going to end up with it. That's another one for the singles. If you put up with it now, you're going to end up with it. The other side of that coin is, if you put up with it, you're going to end up with it. Put it like this. If, if you're always putting up with someone who is just cynical and, and, ugly, and that's, the, that's the motif of the group, that's the mojo of the group, it's just cynicism and ugliness, you put up with it, you're going to end up with it. You're just going to become cynical. I mean, we could do this all day, right? And I, I talk to people all the time, talking about how they're tired all the time. I'm tired. I talk to many of you. I'm not picking on any one person. I don't have any one person in mind. I know every time I preach, someone says, were you talking about me? I said, no, we're not talking about you. I did not have you in my mind. But I, all the time, I talk, I, asked, I, talk to, I talk to everybody, y'all. I don't just talk to you. And so I talk to everybody. Week in and week out, month after month, I'm talking to people. Always talking about how they're tired. Then I'll ask them, what's going on in your life? What's happening in your life? And then I realize, after hearing them talk and share what's going on in their lives, that people today don't know the difference between being tired and being sad. They don't know the difference between being tired and being mentally exhausted. They don't know the difference between being tired and being depressed. They don't know the difference. They, are they, they, are, they don't know the difference between being tired and being overly committed. They don't know the difference. You're not tired, you're just running on empty. You're trying to please everybody. And you now you're drained. And so whenever we get drained, then people, I don't know why, the first place they look to they cut out of their life. Can you guess? See, I'm preaching good now, and y'all got real quiet. Real, real quiet. No, they get real busy with life, and then they, they cut the church out. They cut the small group out. They cut the Bible study out. They cut prayer group out. And let me tell you something. Every time you quit on a church or a small group, what, you, what you're telling me is that for months you have probably been praying. You probably haven't been reading your Bible. See, I knew I would get a lot of shouts there. No, we, we don't know the difference between tired and I'm and sad. Tired and empty. We just keep telling ourselves, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm, no, you're not, honey. No, you're not. You're empty. You're living for everybody else but the one who created you. And then you think, well, the only thing then I know to do to fix this is I need some me time. Ain't no wrong with a little bit of me time, especially at my house because there's just so many of us. 
So I just need some me time. If I just had me some me time. But you know what? Jesus didn't say, go and have yourself some me time. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all you who are worn down and worn out, all you who are burdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. That, that's the promise in Matthew 11. See, time for yourself will never renew you like time for Jesus. You don't need me time. You need Jesus time. You need something that's going to fill you up. Me time will pretty you up. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. Go have some me time. Go have some me and get your hair did and your nails all shiny. Go have some me time. Go hit the golf, you know, and get some exercise or go fishing. There's nothing wrong with doing a little bit of that. But listen, that ain't going to fill your cup. See, you keep trying to fill yourself up with stuff that's just going to leave you empty anyway. Jesus said, come to me. You need, Jesus like, no, you need me time. Capital M. You don't need another spa day unless you're having a Bible study up in there. There's a small group idea. See, got a witness. Because see, when you make God so big in your life and that your life and your calendar just revolves around the things that will connect you to the Lord, my goodness, if this church isn't connecting you to Jesus, find a church that is. I just think we are. Get in on it. Get in on the things that are happening in the life of a good church. That's making time for Jesus. When you make God so big, you won't, you won't overcommit in all that people pleasing. It, it, just, it just baffles me how people don't have time for Jesus because they're too busy pleasing everybody else. But when you make a decision that, no, I'm going to... My life is going to run at a different tune. And I'm going to get on the rhythm of God. And so my life is going to revolve around the, the life of my, of my church and, uh, and those places I serve and, and the gifts, gifts and abilities that God has placed in me. It's not about the church. It's about you are the church. Stepping into God's kingdom and being that for the world. The answer isn't do more of what makes you happy. That's what the world is telling you. Oh, you tired? You tired? You need some me time. You need to do more things that make you happy. And I'm sure you're just looking at them like, are you crazy? I ain't got no time because I'm too busy trying to make you happy. And that's not the answer anyway. The answer is, is to do more that would make God happy. You were created to glorify God. And somehow you will still walk away having benefited from it. Isn't that a miracle? Isn't that a miracle? That through the worship and studying the word and prayer and serving in God's name and and then all the things that we can do to connect with Jesus and to be Jesus for people. 
that in all of that, the miracle is, it's just funny. I do all these kind of activities, but I never feel empty. But sure, sign up and, you know, do another booster club or sure, sign up and, you know, get involved in that other little group and that meets 17 times a month, but you can't come to one Bible study. And I'm meddling now, I know. See, people pleasers, they're overcommitting, trying to make others happy. Trying to make others happy. And you got to be careful because some of you are natural givers. I see you. You are natural givers. You're helpers. You're personality. You're compassionate. You're stirred by it. It's part of who you are. You create it that way. But listen to me, givers. Listen, you need to set limits because takers rarely do. So you have to set the limits. The takers aren't going to do it for you. They'll just take and take and take and leave you empty. But see what God calls for. What God calls for out of you. He says, you'll never walk away empty. And nothing you do in and for me and through me will ever leave you empty. Might leave you really tired. Actually tired. But it won't leave you depressed. Oh, he might leave you tired. Actually tired. But he won't leave you joyless. He might leave you tired. He might leave you tired, but you'll be so full of purpose. He won't leave you without purpose and a deep sense of meaning. Oh, no, no. He'll leave you with blisters on your hands and feet. But my goodness, you'll walk away feeling like king of the world. It's just something about what he can do in your life when you make him bigger than everybody else. And let me tell you something else. I'm just giving all kinds of practical advice today. Let me give you another piece of advice. No. That was it. That's all I wanted to tell you. No. No is a complete sentence. No is a complete sentence. It does not always require giving an explanation to people that only want to tear you down to begin with and tear the things of God down. You don't owe them or anybody else an explanation. If they're calling for an answer, just say no. No. Because listen, some of you are doing good things for people. And see, you see, that's the, that's the hard part about all of this is because the, and most of the time, the things that you are busy doing, you're doing good things. But is it good and for his glory? Is it good and lifting up Jesus? Oh, I'm serving people. I get it. 
but are you serving God? Because there's a big difference. Serving people who are demanding it and serving a God who's asking you to serve people because he's called you to. There's a difference. One will leave you empty and one will leave you full. Listen, you, you're going to have to ease into this for the, for the people on the scale who are really far over there in the, in the people-pleasing business. Like you could, you could literally start your own 501c3. We are people-pleasers, you know, are us. You're going to have to ease into this because you're going to shock some people. They won't, they're not going to know what to do with you. You're going to have to, they're going to need time to adjust because they're going to accuse you. You've changed. You've changed. And that's when you just say, no. No other explanation is required. You don't owe them or anybody. No, you've changed. You're different now. No. I just stopped trying to please you. I'm just trying to please my God. You live, you live formed by people's acceptance and you will die by their rejection. You can't live for them. Listen, mama, you can't live for your children. If they ever reject you, it'll kill you. Listen, dad, you can't live for your own dad's acceptance. You can't live for it. If you get rejected, it'll kill you. Come on. I'm not saying that we should love one another and try to please one another in the appropriate ways. I'm just saying, you got to please your God first and find your acceptance in Him, in Him alone. If you live for people's acceptance, then you'll buy, you'll die when they reject you. Some of you, every time you get a, a, just a little tinge of rejection, let alone an outright denied, it throws you in a tailspin. Don't point at your neighbor. Can I tell you? Live to please him who died to save you. There's only one who split the cosmos entered into this terrestrial ball, put himself in harm's way and up on a cross, gave his life so that he can fully embrace you and that you don't ever have to live a day without feeling his, his warmth and acceptance to be called a child of God, to be fully embraced by your creator. Live to please him who's, who died to save you. We gotta stop drinking all this Kool-Aid. I'm drinking that mess. Maybe it's time to throw it down. I'm not going to throw this. I know what you were thinking. He has a habit of throwing things. 
Maybe it's time to trade that cup for the cup Christ gives you. Maybe, maybe where you have compromised, where you have overcommitted, where you have crossed lines to please others, and you know you are causing displeasure to the one, the only one who has given up his life for you. Maybe it's time to trade cups. Because one of those cups is laced with death and the other one is laced with life. He's given you a better cup, a greater drink, a cup that'll never run dry and a cup that'll never leave you dry. A cup of life. Maybe it's time to trade your Kool-Aid for the cup of Christ. You want to sit at the cool kids' table, that's fine. But what if they're making their bed in hell? i trade that cup any day to sit at the Lord's table. He went through such great pains to make that table, to build that table, and then to save my seat at that table. And he invites us to come and to take the bread and to take the cup time and time again. And when we sit at that table, it's the same thing as saying, I, I listen, I can't please everyone, but I can please the head of this table. I can live to please my God. So I'm going I'm to come back to his table because it's there where I can learn to be who he's created me to be. It might not be the cool kids table. It might not look normal. But normal is not godly. You don't have to look like them and talk like them and live like them. This disease to please can be washed away. You can be set free. Free, just throw down your Kool-Aid and take up his cup. And you can be free of that mess. There's a cure for the disease to please. Trade cups today. Take the antidote. Make God bigger. Surrender. Know him for real. Be set free from the overwhelming and overbearing opinions of others. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I pray now over the next few moments that all hearts in this place would confess you as Lord. And that if there's any Thing in our lives where we are allowing the thoughts and opinions and actions of others be larger in our lives than your voice, your actions, your truth. That today when we take up your cup and take up the nourishment of your bread, which is your body. That we would throw down all those lies 
and that this disease to please would be washed away and that we could walk out of this place more free and more whole and more full of joy and peace and hope than we've ever been. I pray that would be the cup that is taken up and received today by all in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us again. We hope today's word was a blessing to you, maybe even challenged and inspired you. We'd love to connect with you, serve you in any way. Go to mynorthside.church, click the link for us to connect. We are praying for you. We believe that God has great things in store for you. We'll see you next time.